Good morning and welcome to another episode of the podcast from River Oaks Presbyterian Church that we call From Sunday to Monday. Uh, This is the podcast where we try to answer your questions about our sermons every week and do our best to give you some clear application and clear uh, guidelines. Basically, it's our chance to take a second swing at it and uh, tell you what we meant, uh, which is oftentimes easier uh, as we answer your questions. Uh, This is, uh, today is August 28th, and yesterday I preached on spiritual depression. Uh, Spiritual depression is that time when a Christian feels as though God has abandoned him in the darkness. Um, It's something that we see oftentimes in Scripture and Psalms uh, 42 especially, but many, many other Psalms, 69 and others, 22. And then in the lives of great uh, leaders in the Old Testament, such as Moses and Elijah and uh, Jonah and David and others. So I tried to to talk about what it is and then uh, what causes it. Uh, the, The chief cause is the feeling that you can't find God, that he's not responding to you, that you, uh, as, as it says in Psalm 69, that you've peered into the darkness until your eyes have grown dim and you can't find him. And uh, then uh, we looked at uh, some of the cures, uh, praying when you don't feel like it, taking care of your own body uh, even when you don't feel like it, uh, learning to talk back to yourself and encourage yourself with the gospel, and ultimately trusting yourself to God's unfailing love. Uh, so that was uh, that was my best I could do. The, the question I was asked uh, for that sermon was, uh, what do you do when God feels far off? And it was, it was the best I could do to answer it. We got a few good questions in. A lot of them were very similar. Uh, a lot of people wanted to know the difference between spiritual depression and clinical depression, and is it okay for uh, Christians to take medication and that kind of thing. So I'm going to uh, try to go through these as well as I can, as clearly as I can. And as always, if I end up uh, raising more questions than I answer, please uh, just don't don't let me off the hook. Just keep uh, emailing me back. At, uh, the email address is info at riveroakstulsa.com, and I will do my best to answer your questions as long as you ask them. All right, let's get started. First question is, how does this feeling of being abandoned by God or not being able to find him jive with the promise that God will never leave us nor forsake us. So if God's promised to never leave us, why would a Christian ever feel like God has never left us? Uh, hopefully, is in the way I've restated that question, I've kind of answered it for you. Uh, God is not going to leave his people. He will not. Uh, he says uh, in Isaiah, uh, could a nursing can a mother forget her own nursing child? Yes, she might forget, but I will never forget you, Israel. Uh, God is not uh, far off or abandoned us. He'll never abandon us. But oftentimes, oftentimes, we will feel like he has abandoned us. Uh, we will not have that ongoing uh, precious feeling that he is near to us and and hearing us sometimes he does that to uh, reveal our own hearts to us sometimes he does that uh, for unknown reasons honestly there there are many reasons um, but the 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 heart of this question is this uh, feeling of um, is this you know how does it how do the two jive together and uh, i guess the way i would 
answer it is uh, to tell you something I did with my two oldest boys when they were young. Uh, when they were about fourth, fifth grade, I'm a little older than that, probably sixth or seventh grade, I guess. Um, I was concerned that they, they never wanted to leave the house. They were always afraid to leave the house. And so uh, I kind of made them one day. I, I put them on their bicycles and I gave them very, very clear instructions on what to do and uh, how to get to the library. It was a very safe trip. They had All they had to do was go down a bicycling path and then go through a neighborhood. And, uh, and I sent them off on their own and they felt very alone. Uh, and at one point... On that trip, they made a wrong turn, and then they uh, they sat down because they couldn't figure out how to get back on the path. And as they sat there, kind of pondering the map and trying to figure out what happened, uh, they got a phone call on the cell phone I had let them borrow. And uh, I was on the other end of the phone, telling the asking, uh, "Well, what are you going to do now?" Uh, and they said, "What?" I said, "I can tell that you made a wrong turn. So what are you going to do?" And uh, they said, well, how do you know? And I, I said, well, if you'll look up on the hill uh, in the parking lot across the street from you, you'll see me standing there staring at you through binoculars. Uh, I wanted my boys to feel like they were on their own. I wanted them to learn that they were able to go out and do things and and uh, find places and they, they would be fine. But I had no intention of actually abandoning them to be on their own. Uh, God, what was true of me as a father is much more true of God. He has no intention of ever abandoning us. He has paid too much for us. He has given us the blood of his precious son to redeem us from our sin and call us to himself. But he is going to sometimes allow us uh, to feel like we are on our own, and that is to accomplish his own mysterious purposes. So I hope that's how, that helps. All right, let's get into some of these questions about uh, clinical depression. So the first one I have is compare and contrast spiritual depression and cl clinical depression. Uh, can a Christian experience both? Uh, can psychology and medicine help? Uh, another very similar question. Do you believe biological clinical depression exists? And how does this work with spiritual depression? Are the two mutually exclusive? Well, let me start off by saying uh, clinical biological depression absolutely exists. Absolutely. Uh, and it is something that some of you desperately need to get help with. And I, I so much hope that you will. I, I cannot stress this enough. If I could cure your depression with a prayer or a podcast or an article or a sermon, I would have done it by now. Uh, it's just not that simple. You, you need help. If the way, you, the way I would just say is uh, to determine the difference between spiritual depression or just kind of regular times of depression and clinical depression is um, one would be, um, is there a reason for your depression? Uh, Christians undergo times of spiritual depression in, in all kinds of situations, sometimes after great victories when there's a lull after that, sometimes uh, in times of tremendous stress, sometimes in, in times of darkness, discouragement, mourning, uh, it, those are all completely understandable times of depression. Uh, but if you are depressed and there is no, no reason for it, and, and when you're in the midst of depression, you're not the one to make that decision. You're going to have to ask someone else's help in this, and I hope that you will. But uh, ask someone, is there, is there a reason for this? Uh, am I ought I be feeling this way or is there something else going on? I, I want to encourage you to do that. Clinical depression uh, just stays. It lingers forever. 
nothing nothing helps. It gets it gets darker. Uh, if this has become your regular way of living, just months, years go by, and you uh, have these feelings of hopelessness that, that overwhelm you in darkness, uh, please get help. That could very well be clinical. could very well be biological. Um, I think sometimes uh, we, we just desperately want answers, and so we want, you know, we want things to be clear so that we can avoid problems and, and fix them quickly. And one of the ways we do that is we want to say, well, is this depression spiritual? Is it clinical or is it emotional? Uh, real life doesn't work that way. Uh, usually things all kind of work together. Uh, so what does that mean? That means if you're experiencing depression, you need to get help. Uh, you need to seek help through prayer you need to seek help through uh, community. You need to seek help through the gospel. You need to seek help physically. You need food. You need sleep. Uh, if, if your depression lingers, you should seek out counseling and therapy. If your depression lingers, seek out medicine. Uh, please don't think that this is one or the other. You're probably going to need all four of those things. Um, that's fine. That is how we work. God has made us physical beings. Uh, they, they are not mutually exclusive. I think a helpful way to think of depression is, is the same way we think of diabetes. Uh, diabetes, if, once you've been diagnosed as with, with diabetes, you're going to have it for the rest of your life. Uh, it's not fatal. It's not curable. Uh, but it is treatable and it is manageable. In the same way, depression is not fatal. It doesn't have to be. It can be fatal if it's not treated. Um, depression is not fatal, but it's also not curable. It'll probably never completely go away if you're someone who struggles with it. That's okay. It's completely manageable, and, and it's completely treatable. Uh, but you're, you're going to need to get treatment. You're going to need help. You're going to need someone to talk to who knows what they're talking about. You're going to need to seek out the advice of professionals and as just a pastor and a friend uh, to so many people who have struggled with depression over the years, let me just beg you to get help. Uh, please get help. Please don't uh, live in darkness. And um, especially if you ever begin get to the place of despairing of your own life, uh, if you ever begin to think that death would be better because it would end the pain, uh, that no one would care if you died, would you please get help today? Uh, please, um, you don't have to feel that way. Uh, there, are, there are things that, that are there to help you. you. You can come out of this darkness. Please, please do something. So that is, uh, I hope that was helpful. That's a pretty pretty broad category of question, but let me, uh, let me just end that with just saying it, it's probably all of them. It's probably clinical, probably spiritual, maybe more of one and less of the other, but um, you should seek to rectify it with as many ways as possible. Our uh, next question that comes in says, um, what do you think the church gets right in ministering to those who are in numbness or darkness, and what does it get wrong? Um, that's a great question. I, I love the church. I, I love being a part of it. I think uh, the things we get right are that um, you don't have to do this alone. The church gives you community. The church will, will turn, surround you with people and sometimes uh, that looks like people who walk with you through healing, and sometimes that looks like people who walk with you through darkness. 
Uh, I have some dear friends who struggle with depression and they come in and out of it and and they want to apologize. They don't feel like I want to be around them when they're depressed. And, and it's helpful, I think, for me to just remind them from time to time, look, I'm your friend when you're on top of the world. I'm your friend when you're depressed. And you need to know that my friendship is going to last longer than this episode of depression. You're just not going to outlast me. Um, and I think the church gets that right. We're together. We are a, a covenant friendship, and we're, you're not going to out-depress us. You're not going to out-anxiety us. We're going to walk alongside you uh, as long as you will stay in this relationship, as long as you'll stay in this church. The church also gets it right that we take you to Jesus, and we show you um, the God who loves you so much that he willingly suffered depression, that he willingly suffered darkness on the cross. Uh, that he cried out for God and could not find him. He's experienced all those things, and he experienced them for us. And he brought life and salvation out of that darkness. And if he can bring light and hope for the world out of the darkness of the cross, then he can heal you of your depression. And he most certainly will be waiting with you on the other side of it. So those are the things we get right. Community the gospel. I think the things we get wrong are sometimes we, we blame people for feeling bad, and, and that's just awful, and I've really dedicated as much of my energy and life as possible to, to, to stopping people from doing that. Uh, we make people feel bad because they feel bad. We want to say things like, well, why do you feel that way? Or uh, don't you remember the gospel? Or don't you, don't you trust Jesus? And uh, we, don't, we don't mean for it to come across as hurtful as it does. But those kind of comments are uh, they're stinging. And what we end up doing is we shame people for not feeling the way we think a Christian ought to feel. Um, and, and we have to stop that as a church. We have to be a place for broken people and where broken people know they are loved. So that's, I think that's the thing we could do the worst and that's something that has to be, uh, absolutely has to be corrected. Um, All right, next, the Bible often mentions fasting in times of great duress and appeal to God for help. Does this have any place in our wrestling with despair, or is it likely to be less helpful in the long haul of spiritual depression? Um, Fasting is a a very important spiritual discipline. Uh, It is something that uh, the Bible does prescribe, especially in times of temptation. Uh, If you can learn to say no to your stomach, you can learn to say no to pretty much any body part. Uh, and I think it is something that should be sporadically not uh, not overused. Some people want to fast every week, or uh, and I think that's, that's harmful, actually, and certainly not prescribed in the Bible. But I do think there are times when, when fasting is called for. That being said, I... I'm going to be pretty strong on this. I do not think depression is one of those times. Uh, If you're struggling with depression, I would actually urge you pretty strongly to not respond to that depression with fasting. Um, Just speaking of everything I know biologically, I can tell you fasting is not going to make you feel better. (laughs) It's just not. And 
Uh, you're going to get caught in a spiral of not knowing whether you feel bad because you're in spiritual depression or not knowing whether you, or if you feel bad because you haven't had anything to eat. And I, I just don't think that's the time uh, to try to make yourself feel worse. Uh, I would encourage you to combat uh, depression with worship, with singing, uh, even when you don't feel like it, with listening to great music. One of the things I do is I'll put on Sandra McCracken's uh, Dear Refuge of My Weary Soul, and I'll just listen to it until I believe it. Uh, I'll encourage you to confront depression with prayer and with counseling, uh, but I really, I just don't recommend fasting. This is just my Ricky Jones's pastoral advice. That does not sound wise to me. Fasting is not uh, a cure-all, and I don't think it's it would be wise to use fasting to cure depression. Uh, if you want a, a an example of that, uh, of why I would say that, look at what happens with Elijah when he's depressed. He despairs of his life, we're told in First Kings. And so the Lord ministers to him by sending him an angel. And the first thing the angel does is cooks him a meal and tells him to rise up and eat. Uh, eating uh, is part of how God ministers to Elijah to bring him out of his depression. And I think good food... Uh, celebrated with with godly fellowship is a great way to get out of depression and so i'm just not a i'm, I'm not a fan of fasting in that situation so all right my last two questions here um and, and just let me make, make clear I, I don't know if i was clear enough about medication what is the role of medication in the life of a depressed christian um i think it can very well play a role just like i would encourage you to get uh therapy or medication for your diabetes or your high blood pressure or your uh, cancer and you might say well can't god heal those things my response would be yes he actually has healed millions of it through medicine and you would be foolish to not take it uh, in the same way if you have lived with depression uh, for years and nothing seems to help please don't be afraid to use medication that's that's a blessing from god it's not uh my caveat is simply this depression medication or anxiety medication uh, is not like an antibiotic if you take an antibiotic uh, you know almost immediately if it's working sometimes you'll have doctors tell you if you're not feeling better in a couple of days then this isn't gonna it, this is not working uh, that's not how depression medication works uh, it affects different people differently there's a lot of kinds of medication you can take and you really have to take them for a couple of weeks uh, to let your body get used to them and, and to see if it's helping. Uh, and so just know that it's not, they're not happy pills. They're not going to come in and, and fix everything in a day. You have to let them get into your bloodstream and let them alter your brain chemistry. Uh, so uh, with the, the careful uh, attendance of a physician, I, I do think... Uh, medication has helped a lot of people uh, it, like I said though it's not a cure-all and there are other therapies there are uh, there's physical therapies uh, exercise has been proven to help uh, as many people as high a percentage of people as uh, as therapy and and some medications actually um, meditation has been proven to actually change the biology of your brain if you'll do it regularly enough uh, and can and do tremendous help you tremendously with anxiety so there are, are a lot of different ways to to treat it uh, my urgent plea with you is just to treat it do something just 
please don't do nothing. Okay, that was an uh, that was a freebie. I, just, I still have two questions, and I think they're great questions, and I want to answer them. And they they came from the same uh, email address or non same number. I don't know who it is, and uh, but they're they're clearly together. The first one is how do you support someone who struggles with depression when all encouragements are dismissed? And then the next one, closely related, is how do you deal with others who are dismissive about your depression when they uh, are your only support? I think that is great because. That is an accurate depiction of friendship between someone who is depressed and someone who is not depressed. Uh, first of all, when you're, you are the uh, non-depressed friend and you're watching someone you love uh, go through times of depression, uh, you want so badly to help them. And you honestly think that if they would just do what you're telling them, they would get better. And what I want to encourage you to do is stop trying to help and just be content to be there. I'm very serious about that. We, you don't mean to dismiss people's pain, but oftentimes you do. When you say things like, you know, if you would just exercise, it would help. Or if you would just get enough sleep, it would help. Or if you would just eat well, or if you just come out with us, you'd probably feel better. Uh, all those things are true for someone who's not clinically depressed. But if you know anything about depression, you know that you don't feel like getting out of bed, much less exercising, and you don't feel like eating. And, and you get into this, this terrible spiral where you know you would feel better if you exercise, but you can't make yourself. And therefore, the, the comment that all I would have to do to feel better is exercise isn't helpful. And so I want to encourage you just to sit on that. Uh, if you are the non-depressed friend, be quiet. Uh, communicate that you love your friend and that you will be there with them as long as they are depressed. You'll be there with them uh, through their panic attack, and your friendship is going to last longer than this panic attack. And uh, sit quietly in the same room if they'll let you. Sit quietly on the porch if they want to be in the room alone. Uh, stay close, but don't think that your advice can help them, cure them, or fix them. Uh, it, it won't. And the more consistent you are to say, I just want to be with you, and I'm going to be with you, but I'm not going to try to fix you, uh, the better you'll do. Now, I do want to throw out an incredibly important caveat to that. If you have a friend, a family member, somebody you love who is at the point of suicide so that they've actually mentioned to you, I'm not sure this should go on. I, I, I'm actually con contemplating suicide. You have to act. You have to act immediately. You have to be the bad guy who takes that person to an emergency room at a hospital at that moment and gets them admitted to a hospital. Please, uh, don't, don't wait on that one. Uh, don't wait on that one. You, you just don't want to be wrong about that. And there is just such great uh, opportunities for mental health care throughout the country now. Uh, we don't have to tolerate that. We don't have to live with suicide as the, um, as the natural terminal, terminus, the natural ending point of depression. 
but unfortunately it, it remains that way for those who won't be treated. So if, in most cases, in general cases, don't be offering your advice, don't be trying to heal people, just be with them. But if they mention suicide, you need to physically pick them up, put them in the car, and take them to the hospital if that's, um, if that's what you have to do. All right, so what's the reverse of that question? The converse of that question is, how do you deal with others who are dismissive about your depression when they're your only support? Man, I, I, that's a hard one. Uh, it really breaks my heart to think of someone who is depressed and, and your friends, your family, just kind of look at you and go, uh, you know, just dismiss your feelings. Um, I think my first response would be, hopefully, I would say hopefully, your friends aren't actually dismissing your feelings. It just feels that way to you because you're depressed. Um, those of you who've been depressed, you'll know this. I know this feeling well. Oh, when you are going through times of depression, you interpret everything badly. So maybe you'll tell a friend that you're struggling with depression and they will respond kindly and, and graciously, and maybe even perfectly. They'll, just, they'll tell you that they love you. They'll say things like, you know, I, I love you anyway. And they may be meaning that with utmost tenderness, but because you're in this depressed state and because you're not interpreting things correctly, you think they're dismissing you and actually they are affirming you and your, their love for you. Uh, I think that happens a lot. Uh, depressed people, uh, and I include myself in this group because I, I will experience depression uh, on a fairly regular basis, I, I would say yearly or so. Uh, when you're in those states, you just assume that nobody wants to be around you. You're so convinced that nobody wants to be around you that anytime anybody says anything, uh, you interpret that to mean they don't want to be around me. They're dismissing me. So I want to hold that out. I think that's, that's probably what's happening. But if your friends really do just dismiss depression, maybe you're in a church of people who refuse to believe that depression exists because they don't think uh, that's Christianity, I, I would encourage you to, uh, I, this may sound harsh, but I think you need to find another group. <laughs> you need to find another church, a church that uh, affirms that, yes, Christians oftentimes will struggle with depression. And yes, uh, the Lord is there to provide us a church that will walk with us through it. Um, I would encourage you to read great books. Uh, a friend of mine named um, Sam, uh, oh gosh, it's right here on my desk and I can't even think of the name of it. Sammy Rhodes wrote a book uh, that talks a lot about his dealings with anxiety and depression. It's called This Is Awkward. Uh, and he's got great uh, blog posts and things online. If you look up his name, Sammy Rhodes. Uh, another great writer who struggles with depression, Christian who uh, has written beautifully about it. His name's Scott Sauls at Christ Presbyterian Church in Nashville. I strongly recommend you to find uh, and read anything they have, uh, anything that they've said, and seek out Christians who will uh, take your depression seriously and will love you uh, in and through it. Um, so thank you so much for these questions. I hope this has been helpful. It's something close to my heart because I have so many dear friends who are struggling and have struggled with depression. Uh, as always, if I haven't answered your question, feel free to write in. The email address is info at riveroakstulsa.com. Uh, and I hope you all have a great uh, Monday to Sunday, and I'll see you next Sunday.